I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts Bob Mackey and I'm always tickled by a WKRP in Cincinnati reference and who is here with me today? Hey it's Henry Gilbert and I am still steamed that we got overlooked for the Doughboys in a parody scene. We got robbed. So yes, welcome to Talk to the Audience in case you don't know what this is. This is our uh, monthly community show and on this show we talk about what's happening in the Simpsons world and in our world and then we uh, respond to the questions and comments that you left on our past uh, month's worth of episodes and this will post at the end of the month for patreon and the beginning of the month for uh the free feed of talking simpsons uh we take it a little easier it's a relaxed yeah. fit week <laughs> and uh you know it's also our most uh, topical one because you know you just listened last week to one we recorded in august but this we were recording within 36 hours of when it goes live on the patreon it's true so, and yeah. uh, we just recorded a three-hour podcast about uh, a certain show yes we're going yeah. to announce and and uh, yeah, so I might be a little loopy. In fact, you didn't hear all the amount of times I screwed up the intro, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, this is always fun to talk about uh, what happened in the the week that was or the month that was. And this is also fun to just finally, I think this is the second or third podcast we've recorded after the election where we don't have to now oh, just say, God. well, we don't know what happens after the election. Like now, I've been, yeah. I've been listening to Talking Futurama because I don't remember what we said yes, on those. And there's so many times we're like we don't know what's happening please <laughs> we're sorry i hope it turned out okay yeah unfortunately hey the the best case scenario hey, uh definitely happened uh the election is still happening i think i guess so according well, to some people yeah if uh, and you got to trust rudy giuliani on these things if, if uh, but uh it was quite a month of simpsons news in general this november was uh with i guess uh at the top i wanted to talk about just the new episodes that came out mm. this last month at the start of the month because we couldn't talk about it last time because it was airing the next week after halloween but treehouse of horror 31 aired which is written by previous talking simpsons guest julia prescott and i think previously we might have said she wrote a segment she wrote the whole thing correct? i was shocked to find that yeah i thought it was just a segment i had missed that mostly i think treehouses are now written by one writer instead of doing the three writer thing uh but yeah so she wrote the entire thing so what i mean that is quite an assignment to get for your first simpson script as a freelancer to get to write the treehouse that's crazy that's incredible yeah. and we should really talk to her about it at some point yeah it's uh i i definitely congratulated her on twitter i thought it was pretty funny that uh, a person on Twitter did a tweet to me, you, Allie, and Julia saying, did you watch the newest treehouse? I thought it was pretty funny. And I just let it hang there. Then Julia was like, I think I, I think I know the right. She did some joke about it. But yeah, it uh, the, the treehouse itself, I did think it was pretty good. Uh, and I wouldn't just say that because she's our friend. But I thought especially the Toy Story parody was the best. Like the, the Simpsons all in 3D looked really good. Good. Looks better than the ride, but that was 13 years ago. <laughs> it felt like a pilot for like you guys could just regularly do this. I think with these, with all these character models, like you already made them. But uh, I, I also think there was a little bit to it that felt like it was written by a, a super analytical fan of the show, where they reference like the headless Malibu Stacy and mm. the evil Krusty doll, or even the um, what was it, the, the like 
puppy foo foo or something like this is like a puppy goo goo puppy goo goo there's a puppy goo goo reference in it fetch me a dream (laughs) it starts the strongest with that one the second segment is the into the spider verse parody of homer and the homer verse and it's good but it kind of loses the plot and it should reference things homer is instead of like well no this is the homer from the hanna-barbera universe this is the homer from the disney princess universe stuff like that it's it's all right uh it's it's honestly too rushed because it's like they have to not only have homer meet all his other homers but also fight monty burns who has an army of burnses that's a big idea for a four-act show one act of a four-act show (laughs) yeah more like a three and a half act show but yeah and the third segment was a parody of happy death day which was the groundhog day but horror movie one and uh it was just an interesting change of pace like violence is rarely done to lisa we already recorded our treehouse 11 podcast and i noted how like in the opening parody of Mon- of the monsters every simpson is killed except for lisa so that's why in this one it being a happy death day parody you watch lisa die like a dozen times and it's kind of shocking at first but uh, it was it was a good parody hmm. too of a of a recent film parody a not bad one so I it was one of my favorite treehouses I've seen in a while unfortunately I'm a bit behind but I did watch the one that aired uh, yesterday as of this recording yes yeah which we're gonna go way deeper into mm-hmm. that in its own episode next week actually you've seen it I haven't watched it yet what uh, what initial thoughts on Road to Cincinnati uh, it's really good of course we were there for the table read uh, I have not looked at the script again yet so I'm not sure uh, what. Uh, was cut out mm. but the biggest laughs from the table read i remember they are in the show all right yeah. okay i i look forward my plan is to give it a watch regular and then pulling out my script and and also i saw you know very helpfully matt selman did like kind of a mini thread about yeah. the episode on twitter so for some extra trivia he normally does that pretty often uh okay. for for shows and uh and then the other episode i i watched a lot of new simpsons this month i also watched the episode podcast news yeah uh which was notable for a couple reasons one it was the simpsons does podcast episodes though it really is about true crime podcasts specifically not not about other podcasts i mean they're big and uh you know we got snubbed and i take it personally of course (laughs) as the number one simpsons podcast but also for doing a true crime podcast they didn't get my boys at last podcast on the left on the show yeah you're right that it's a little i guess maybe they're a little too spicy i think so too spicy for fox (laughs) uh but our friends the doughboys did get drawn into it yes nick nick weiger a previous guest on the show and a person we'd love to have as a guest but he's a busy man mitch uh, mike mitchell the podcast news episode it makes sense that like okay lisa would be listening to serial and then marge starts listening and they kind of unite in listening to it together like that's that's interesting it made me think that uh when we talked to dan graney a few years ago he mentioned a thing he pitched that james l brooks didn't like and that was examining the mr burns uh shooting through like a podcast yeah because yeah. uh tr- a crime podcasts are a big deal and i wonder if any kind of germ of that became this yeah you know i want i mean it also because she appeared in it as herself it also is about how yardley smith currently has a true crime podcast called small town dicks so and and she appears as herself in the episode i another interesting thing about the concept is that it's that kent brockman uh becomes a true crime podcaster so seeing him 
one it's weird it makes his character design look way different now when he stands around newly designed characters yeah it's uh it's it's funny how much more human like the new characters look yeah but it also made me think like boy everybody who kent is based on died like 15 years ago and now now seeing him start a podcast feels very strange why in the episode was written by david x cohen mm-hmm. his first simpson since treehouse nine it's come crawling back <laughs> i think that's fun that like he did two disenchantments it just seems like that he will just take on a one-off script here and there but won't move back to los angeles no that, that's the best way to do things and yeah. the episode was sorry it was a tribute to alex trebek they did oh, there's okay. like there's like a title card at the end like a memory of alex trebek because he, right. he was on the show but one thing they did which i found was odd was uh so the episode where marge was on jeopardy which one was that again oh that was uh miracle on evergreen terrace that's right yeah. like for just a really brief gag scene so the shot they use is the establishing shot of the jeopardy set where alex trebek is very tiny and you know that's an older image and you know the resolution is much lower so in that image what they do is they only redraw alex trebek Mm, that's odd that's and it an looks choice. there's like an hd alex trebek standing in like an sd world and mm. it's very ugly and it's yeah. like either redraw the whole thing or don't do it because it feels insulting and yeah. i and i check out the episode the only other uh, shot of trebek is of him and his goons oh that's so why they wouldn't do it when you're yeah. saying goodbye to alex you're like well the best shot of alex we have is with him and the goon saying she's not getting the home version <laughs> uh you're right they can't really do that shot so, of him. or just yeah. get an artist that like take five minutes and draw a simpsons alex trebek we can just jam in here at the yeah, end yeah just be well just pull out the old character model like there Please draw that yeah. from this character model. It, it felt like a it felt like a weird compromise. Either just show the original still from the episode, or don't. It just yeah. it was weird. It feels like a late choice of like oh that like maybe they somebody in post production had that still up, and then another person thought that looks like crap here we gotta redraw that it's uh, a, I guess it's a thought that counts but yeah, uh, it's very nice yeah. but but yeah as a podcaster I liked watching it but definitely it seemed to have the opinion of like well people just sit around on a couch with like one mic it's like or they record it through the iPhone I'm like that's, uh, that's not a podcasting works these guys. are the uh, podcast opinions of the 50 to 60 year old Simpsons writers that's where it's true. just like well Serial is the first podcast of course and there was nothing uh, before that yeah yeah I, they do have a good joke about vocal fry on podcast though i did like that and there's i i forget the specifics of it but there was one line that felt like a cohen there should have been more classic cohen wordplay that is that we bring up in every futurama there there wasn't enough of that i wonder if it wasn't in his script or it just got rewritten over Mm. through the rewrite process but yeah a strong a strong month of interesting new episodes of the simpsons that you can just watch the next day on hulu So the Talking Simpsons death curse strikes once again, uh, and we have finally killed Conan O'Brien's talk show. That's, yes, the talk show that we got to see live in person. Uh, it'll be two years in February, I think it will be. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that on Valentine's Day. That Yeah, that was. We got to see the Conan show, and now he has announced that his TBS show, which had previously been an hour, shrunk to half an hour. That is ending in July, or I think in June. And in July, he become, it's going to be a weekly variety show on HBO Max exclusively. You know what? That makes a lot of sense to me, because even though I enjoyed the taping of that tbs show i'm like why why are we still doing this like <laughs> there's another way for conan to work to not to not be like this like re, like super super boiled down like talk show like yeah. he could be in a much bigger thing and i feel like he's bigger than that 
So, uh, oh, well, and, like, I mean, there's barely time to breathe in that like 22 minute show. Totally, it's too. It, it was too tight. They one. It's not the best like platform for Conan anymore for what he does, and probably. I would think he's rethinking it in general just after the whole COVID stuff of like he he had to be filming it from home every day. He couldn't even have the audience that he loves to play with. Like, yeah, it's just why, why even do it? No, yeah, I mean, he's an amazing performer and it was so fun to see him and meet him. It was like uh, one of the greatest experiences of my life. But I'm, I was also thinking like we don't need this format anymore. Like he should be freed from this format. He's, yeah. he's, he's bigger than this format now. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think this probably will be a good move for Conan. And I mean, on top of that, like he is now, uh, he's the inventor of podcasts. He's like, he's, I forgot he invented them too. Uh, but I mean, he has gotten into the podcasting space and is not just doing his own one, which like he only does it weekly for like three months at a time and then takes time off. Like what are these seasons of podcasts? (laughs) Honestly, but now he's like a producer of other people's podcasts too. So he's, he's definitely, uh, I think he's more into the podcast now, I suppose. You know, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the, for this, that bubble to burst because I'm sick of these Hollywood weirdos horning <laughs> in our territory. Uh, we failed out of traditional business. That's yeah, why we're doing this. You have your platform already. Why do you need mine? Why Why do you need to be a rich person? Like, was it you told me Tim Robbins started a Patreon for a podcast? Yeah. What? I mean, everyone deserves money for their work, but uh, Tim Robbins does not deserve a Patreon. No, unless he's giving it to everybody who isn't famous that works on his thing. Like, just if you want to do a weekly silly liberal podcast, Tim Robbins, then just pay it with like the what he probably gets just on residuals from one movie he was in is what we make in a month on a Patreon. Or that Susan Sarandon alimony that's rolling in every month. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) Also, the moving from TBS to HBO Max, like that's where Warner wants to put their dollar now too if they're gonna pay a fat paycheck to an industry legend i will say now for conan i think he has reached legend status if they're gonna spend that much money put him up make people sign up for hbo max to see it instead the only other talk show they have on hbo max is the elmo one which is just kind of weird i'm just thinking about how old conan is yeah, and like yeah. he is kind of like our jerry lewis now <laughs> that's true but but talented in and not bitter way. we mean it in the nicest way like if you saw if you saw jerry lewis like in the early 90s that's what conan is now like we grew up with him <laughs> i i yeah when this was announced i read a couple uh bits from interviews i'd never seen before of conan kind of reflecting on his age and he's just like you know he's like oh did i make an impact or anything he talked about how he like visited i think it was harding's tombstone and he as a he's like i know presidential history and he's was a very popular president and now i can just walk up to it nobody cares it's any other tombstone everything's forgotten he was he was in that kind of mindset for that interview wow i mean that's why i'm a podcaster that way there'll always be a trace of me there's just too much too much content (laughs) it'll never go away yeah Yeah, it's uh there's gonna be too much to make a biography on all these biographers of like charles schultz or jim henson they have to like spend years going through the attics of these people and you need all this access now every famous person has said every single thing on 800 different uh, podcasts i record every one of my thoughts every day (laughs) nothing is a mystery the the chill the grandchildren of our generation will just be like i know enough about these people i don't need to hear it i don't need to hear the 10 other podcasts my grandfather made (laughs) 
And we have more news. Uh, there was a oral history of Marge versus the Monorail by Sean Cole Advice, and I did like this one. The oral histories I don't like are ones to just copy anecdotes from the commentary and don't interview anyone. Yep. This one is actually good. Not a whole lot of new stuff came out of it, but it's nice to hear just like uh, just n- new new like blurbs from the writers. There's, oh, there's yeah. nothing like relevatory in here, but I did like hearing just like new reflections. I I liked hearing Jeff Martin's side of it. I liked hearing Gene and Reese talk about it, but most interesting to me and it was hearing david silverman talk about it and rich Mori. they got him yeah because like you know rich Moore on the commentary for it years ago he just has to laugh about it because it's just them telling conan stories about what is really the best episode he ever directed animation wise and he can't talk about yeah. it at all although i will say cape fear is probably tied this yeah, one actually, in my you mind know what? That, for direction that's rich moore's best episode you're right but this is close to it and i just love them talking about how exhausted they were how it pushed them to the limit and also i think it was silverman or, or martin who just said like i guess this is just every episode now is a giant movie it's not that this <laughs> is its own movie it's that every episode is has to be a giant movie and algene talking about like working 100 hours a week yes yeah. i remember on one of the commentaries uh james r brooks was like you weren't working that long he's like we were we were <laughs> uh, but you know, well of course his boss doesn't want to believe it but yeah. yeah i mean i was only making you work on two different shows yeah you have to you have to create an entire show for me while also show running our most popular thing i i absolutely believe they probably more than one week was a hundred hour week i definitely think that and also good reflections on uh, phil hartman oh yeah yeah what a huge a huge gift he was to that show yeah i and it's just great hearing jeff martin also in that just had a funny aside of just saying his memory of working on that show was working with a bunch of brilliant people who he watched age and get fatter very quickly <laughs> i saw jay kogan followed up with that as saying like i i came to the show fat already <laughs> i won't blame the show that yeah so check that out on vice i always like to see these and it's always fun to see new anecdotes and uh, just remembering phil hartman is nice too yeah and uh so yeah the the drippy oozy uh <laughs> disgusting man mayor giuliani former mayor giuliani uh, was recently compared to Lionel Hutz, but Bill Oakley said no way on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, to quote him, he said, I am dubious of any comparisons between Rudy Giuliani and Lionel Hutz because although they are both inept and unscrupulous, Mr. Hutz is essentially a good-hearted soul who doesn't actively work to harm people or the nation. So Honestly, the only thing that makes Giuliani like a Simpsons character is that he married his attractive cousin. <laughs> He's a Shelby villain through and through. It's true. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> I recommend checking out the citations needed podcast about giuliani where people are like oh what a fall from grace no he always sucked oh it just he had very good pr by existing next to 9-11 yeah he fully laundered himself through like a bunch uh, a, a horrible crime and just by standing next to it like, that is just like fucking uh, cuomo yeah who wrote yeah. the book how i dealt with covid in october uh, and now it's only worse no and new york is a huge hotspot for it. that guy yeah i mean that guy cuomo and trump are the same person like fuck, definitely fuck both but giuliani i mean his insanity the last month has been pretty funny to it's, see it's amazing seeing those elderly men fall apart on tv yeah. like we are still getting over four seasons like landscaping yes, debacle yeah. what a great day that where was. like it's still i'm still processing it because i watched it and before he came on it's just like it's a microphone in front of a dirty wall and i'm like what's <laughs> happening and then the rest of what happened unfolded and it's so surreal that it, like i'm still processing what happened oh. like 
like it's it's bizarre and him just leaking his hair dye standing around too like it's uh and and that he just thinks that he still looks so good like that he's because he's uh, insane he's an old insane man i just love uh like chapo was pointing out chapo trap house the podcast just how how constantly moist he is he's always like dabbing his oh, yes. sweaty yeah. body and face oh god yeah. disgusting man oh man that photo of his shoes too lionel hutz would wear better shoes than that guy the, it's uh, also that yeah I, again we're shouting out other podcasts that did great commentary on it the michael and us uh our, our friends on that podcast they, oh. they covered the rudy giuliani uh james woods uh bio movie which they they talk about how like even in this like loving biography of him that's made to like stand him up they still have to be like well he did like cheat on his wife a bunch and he's like kind of racist and all these even in the nice thing it's uh but they they pull up these things i had never heard it before the bit about george carlin saying like we need a guy like rudy giuliani and they're like oh, yeah 9 11 affected us all in even ways, the you know? great saintly george carlin yeah uh it's, it's very very sad but yeah uh, uh giuliani uh he had just dripping his way all over the place hopefully it'll be more <laughs> public embarrassments in the future for him and uh binging with babish i know you're a big fan of this series yeah, henry yeah. Uh, they recently it's this uh youtube channel where they make uh food from like fictional series is that correct yes yeah and steam tams was one of his first ones but when he did it the first time it was actually making uh just a burger making a burger that looks like the burger he didn't actually steam burgers but this time he did it again with another youtube channel and he steamed up hamburgers uh and in the way that a, a one restaurant that does it does it and when he made it he's like nah not very good it tastes he basically said it tasted like cafeteria steam tray food uh he was not a fan of it but our friend bill oakley also guest starred in it yeah uh, that's right wishing him well and saying like hey good i've never tried these actually steamed ham people are telling me they taste good and so they gave it a shot but i mean how can when i eat a burger the charring and the 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 smokiness of it is part of what i like about it steam seems to be the exact opposite of you you don't want like a like a I don't know just I mean that's why Chalmers was right to be suspicious of the steamed hams. Yeah, despite the fact they are obviously grilled. I mean I don't like when I was eating meat I didn't like sweaty roast beef or anything like that. It's gross. I like a nice charred grilled thing when I was yeah. eating meat. Yeah. So uh, but but yeah the binging was Babbage thing. It's fun if you want to see what steaming a ham really looks like, including like it's not just steaming the meat they steam the cheese they steam the bun they they steam it all Ooh, may i see it yeah <laughs> uh, no oh damn it still <laughs> uh, and finally our last bit of news is that some british show uh, apparently they have tv shows in britain but it's called strictly come dancing well th- that just sounds filthy to me <laughs> And uh, they did a Simpsons thing where these two people did a, like a routine as the Simpsons. Frankly, yeah. it looks like a porn parody is about to break it out. Does. It really does. It, but yeah, it's uh, starring people who are famous to British people. To me, I don't know who they are, but I, I wanted to mention it just because like listeners, uh, definitely some uh, some nice people on Twitter have said, hey, did you see this? Did you see this? This is us saying, yes, we yeah. saw it. And I, saw it. I have no comment at all, yeah, but a uh, very, very good job. I mean, whenever... Whenever anyone dresses like a Simpson, it's just horrifying and freakish. <laughs> I I only uh, the name "Come Dancing," uh, which now I've never now, done "Come Dancing." Uh, God, it's just sounding filthier. But I I only know it from like I think it was on The Office or Extras. I just knew it as a thing somebody would say, like, "Oh, you see him on Come Dancing last night." 
I, now I know what it is. It is a reality dance show that you guys have. We have different dancing shows in America. <laughs> Just like on The Office when they uh, talked about comedy relief and like Red Nose Day and all that oh, crap. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, okay, British people, calm down. We they know. keep trying to make Red Noses happen here. I'd go in the Walgreens and they're like, it's Red Nose Day here. I'm like, that's for England. I don't give a shit about it. Do you it. want to throw this away? <laughs> yeah. I'll give to charity. I'm not saying the charity's bad. I just, I, I am not an Anglophile. I reject these Red Noses. Mm. Keep, keep them on your side of the Atlantic, buddy. Red Nose is yes red dwarf uh no wait other way around other way around uh talking simpsons news so uh we're gonna break our format once again we're playing curveball with you guys and uh next week we're gonna be covering this season's road to cincinnati episode with special guest nina matsumoto because we were all there at the table read we can tell you what's in the original script what made the cut and what didn't and what we remember from the table read the best moments that got the most laughs yeah we've been looking forward to this for a long time uh you know the the story they always say like oh it's nine months to make an episode you know it's it's like a baby they say that but we went to that table read 13 months ago by the time we recorded so to get it now after so i mean that's because it's a holdover episode from season 31 that's why or yeah because we're yeah. 32 now yeah so i've been dying to watch this i haven't watched it yet at the time of this recording but i am really looking forward to it and also looking forward to talking about it with our with our good buddy nina matsuma mm-hmm. <laughs> she is my buddy <laughs> through and through and uh, other news in case you missed our update we posted it to the free feed and the patreon and podcast form but starting in 2021 we're going to be alternating between seasons 2 and 12 for the whole year we have a lot of fun guests lined up we already recorded like three or four for each uh, season so far so yeah. really fun so far and we are getting so much more out of our season 2 revisit once again I'm like oh this will be easy but no it's like oh I got to find out all these things I never touched the first time so it's oh, been God, so yeah. so much fun to like look into things for the first time re-examining things now that we have more time to look into them it's been great i do believe our dancing homer one is five times longer than the original version the original one is 30 minutes and our final one is two hours and 30 minutes so with a really great guest i think you'll enjoy all of them we don't want to spoil them yet but you guys will like it yeah so you know we had considered just doing two and then 12 but now that after chatting it up with uh between ourselves and with the commenters and now after doing them i really do like the going at first it felt slightly schizophrenic of like talking about a 1990 episode and then in 2001 but it, now it's just a lot of fun it, it, it's a shake up the flavors yeah, uh, we were we stuck in the year 2000 between talking simpsons and talking futurama for a long time so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's nice to just bounce back and forth between 90 and 2000 again and this does mean we don't have to talk about a post 9-11 simpsons until 2022 so that's that's a plus and also yeah it's, it's interesting to talk about them uh when one season is 20 years old now and the other's 30 years old now actually in the same week we did an episode of the simpsons that aired on may 7 2000 and Futurama that aired on May 7th, wow. 2000 because that was my 18th birthday. Man, that's fun. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah the, all the fun birthday talk. Unplanned. Unplanned. <laughs> and uh, yeah, check out the Patreon for our interview with uh, Bill Kopp. Uh, he's the creator of Eek the Cat. He worked on the original Simpsons shorts and did so many other things, but we talked to him for about half an hour. A really fun guest, a great guy, and that uh, interview is on the Patreon. Is it on the free feed as well? Uh, it will be this week. Okay. It will, yeah. We've, uh, we've now been posting the interviews a week later like we do the rest of them. It was uh, a nice uh you know thanksgiving day surprise for uh for our patreon listeners and i hope i hope everybody enjoyed it you know it was i i put in a, a clip of eek the cat at the very beginning just so people can really know how eerie it is to talk to him and hear eek the cat's voice his voice is not that much different I, uh, I do like his voice a lot and he's i i mean i'd love to chat with him again in the future i i think he'd like to too but just hearing he no he seems like just a fun guy who has worked every 
everywhere in in american animation for the last 35 years like that that's quite a career and and that's not the only interview though yeah i think you guys can look Ooh. forward to one pretty soon maybe even more than one pretty soon but we've we've got some cool stuff cooking that's for sure also, we hope you're enjoying uh, Futurama Season 2 Part 2. We recorded that in the last two weeks of September, so pretty far away from that recording. But it'll be re- it'll be continuing. The The posting will be continuing until the end of the uh, the month. And the final episode will launch a few days before Christmas just to give you time to listen to it in case you're busy around that time of the year. Yes, yeah, doing a little earlier, I think. I think you folks will enjoy it. I hope you're all... We've had lots of fun comments, and it's just been awesome to, like, go to Morbotron and share those images. You know, making gifts on Futurama, that'll be a lot of fun and i i think in 2021 you know who knows uh, just a reminder folks if we if we hit the fifteen thousand dollar goal on our patreon in signups uh that means futurama becomes talking futurama becomes a monthly podcast in addition to us doing two yearly miniseries mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah so if we hit fifteen thousand, which seems pretty likely at this point maybe in the next few months we'll hit it it'll just be a regular monthly series and we'll have like a hundred months to go through the rest of the series yeah. <laughs> uh, and it'll uh, it'll be a fun extra thing to hear at the end of each month on top of the what a cartoon movie we do so a brief personal update for me because you're a listener, which means you're my friend based on how <laughs> podcasts work. I got a little music for this. If I could just play it here under my, my speech here. That's right, everybody. I'm leaving the country, <laughs> but not permanently, of course. But I finally got permission to go to Canada. Yay! So thank you, Justin Trudeau. You finally came through to me. Uh, in case you are not aware, uh, my fiance Nina Matsumoto, she's a she's a guest on the show fairly often. Uh, I was on Retronauts too. Uh, we were engaged to be married, and uh, we were going to get married in uh, April, but then something happens. I forget what it was, but <laughs> it just kicked the wedding down the road. But yeah, I've not seen her since March fifth. But I'm flying out on December 15th to finally see my fiance be with her again and get married in Canada uh, in January. So, yeah, it's going to happen. It's finally going to happen. And maybe uh, I'll sound a bit happier on these podcasts. (laughs) But I think Uh, I've kept it together fairly well over the past uh, nine months. It's been a long nine months. It really has. I I feel for even it also feels like no time has passed. It's true. Or or a decade has passed. It feels like, frankly, we're in April right now. But uh, (laughs) yes, I love Canada. Hope to be living there one day. But we talked about this before. It's not going to affect our recording schedule at all. In fact, we're recording like super in advance. And in fact, I'll be recording from Nina's a few things. Uh, yeah, just yeah. to keep up with things. Probably the next talk to the audience I'll be recording in Canada as well. And yeah, uh, yeah so no interruptions on that side of things. And finally, uh, I get to uh, go to Canada again and see my fiance, which is great. Yes, yeah. You know, you're going to, uh, you will have to quarantine for a couple of weeks, unfortunately. We are but, prepared yeah. for that. Yeah, I mean, hey, now you can watch all of some cartoon shows too. Like, I, I hope, the one I really hope you watch is Toy Story 4. I've been really Ooh, wanting you to see that. I one. think we finally will. But uh, and, yeah. And also, Spider Man Far from home because i know uh nina is a big spider-man fan and it's killing me not to be able to talk about things that happened in the second spider-man movie i'm <laughs> sure we'll see that one too it's gonna be a lot of binge watching a lot of game playing a lot of like sleeping in which is gonna be nice <laughs> which i have not been able to do oh yeah that will be nice yeah it's it's uh, so it's sort of a vacation it is it's mostly vacation finally vacation. that damn bird's off my back for once <laughs> i'm so happy for you bob i really am i am counting the days for you to finally be able to to go back to to vancouver and 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 finally see nina i know it's no it's been tough and and me and all the all the listeners are just so happy for you thank you so much but yes i'm excited about that and uh like we said we've been working way in advance to account for this for the entire quarantine we knew it was going to happen at some point so that's why
why we've recorded like episodes for March already. We're, yes, we're, yeah. we're way ahead of things. We are very, very ahead. We're recording a Mar- another March podcast this week. So I think even now we're inching towards April. So back to podcast news. We have our December schedule already hot off the presses here. And I mentioned we recorded a three hour podcast right before this. And that podcast was the first one this week for What a Cartoon. And that is Animaniacs, the 2020 reboot. We're covering episode eight. So mm-hmm. I can tell you that was a really fun podcast. We talked so much about both the oh, entire yeah. new season and one specific episode and the and the surprisingly complex history of this series uh, mostly because it was made during quarantine yeah a yeah. lot of it was it's uh bob did a lot of great research on this we learned a ton about it and it was just cool like i think the first 40 minutes is just our review of the whole season like which if you haven't watched the whole season well we do spoil a couple episode jokes but it's uh it's pretty good i i think in general it's pretty good and you, you just watch it all on hulu so yeah that's next week and up next so we have two christmas things in a row so the first one is uh, a garfield christmas special which is a, a fun heartwarming adventure with the garf yes and i know henry's uh henry's a big a bigger garfield fan than me but I'm a, I'm a big fan i grew up with this one as well yeah no a ton of nostalgia this this is one made for 80s kids but we had so much fun about it. i think i literally say out loud and it like look just can say i love this because <laughs> i saw it as a kid and maybe it doesn't mean anything to you but i just love talking about garfield again and someday we'll do a garfield and friends i i know it but it was just great to go back to garf so up after Garfield, another Christmas thing. So you've been waiting for it for, uh, we've been doing What a Cartoon for almost three total years. So finally, we are heading on down to South Park. We're covering mm. South Park, the episode of Very Crappy Christmas, uh, the, I believe, fourth season Christmas special, which actually covers the origins of the show. So yeah. it's a way to talk about South Park in general and the origins all in one nice, tidy episode. Yes, yeah. And uh, it also is a very long episode, too. I yeah. Because me and Bob have very conflicted feelings about the South Park we loved as a kid and uh, what we know about the creators now and especially disagreeing with a lot of their opinions. So, I mean, we worked hard to really cover South Park from all angles on there. And I I definitely, I I think both of us were worried about like, we don't just want to celebrate a show that has especially such like toxically transphobic opinions still to this day. We try to cover as as much of it as possible. Obviously we can't, it's like uh, the show is, uh, has been running for almost 25 years. So we're going to miss a few things, but I think we were fairly comprehensive and who knows we might return to it someday. So yeah, yeah, finally covering South Park. I know everyone's going to be happy about that. And then our movie for the end of the month. So if you're on the free feed or the $5 feed, you'll hear a, a free preview of that movie podcast. If you're on the $10 feed at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, you'll hear the whole movie. And that is our discussion of the end of Evangelion, the Evangelion movie from 1997. Yeah. You know, is, is there a better way to end 2020 than watching an apocalyptic film like the end of Evangelion? I think not. I mean, it is taught. Well, we just said that about South Park, but probably just as complicated a film as South Park is a show like the end of Evangelion. We, um, we haven't recorded the regular episode, the movie discussion yet, but the history section was a lot of fun to record. And I, I found a lot of like quotes from people who worked with Hidekiano crapping on Hidekiano, which was pretty funny, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. It, it all returns to nothing thing is we we finish out the year on, on with end of evangelion with a giant head floating in the water will it be yours stay tuned <laughs> uh and so we can announce our our what a cartoon movie poll for january and you can vote on this if you're on the patreon the five dollar level or higher and my idea was just like i was thinking like oh uh i want to talk about the dexter's lab movie
movie ego trip, but I want there to be other selections that are similar. And I was like, yeah, Cartoon Network made a few of these movies. No, they made like 30 of these direct-to-video <laughs> things. So, so many specials they did, yeah. I was just not, I was not checked into this world at this time, so I didn't know, oh, there are two Billy and Mandy movies? Well, sure. So, yeah, our January movie poll is going to be uh, any number of these Cartoon Network specials, and that number actually is four. So uh, they are, in order, uh, Dexter's Lag Ego Trip, uh, Billy and Mandy, Wrath of the Spider Queen, the Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends uh, movie, Destination Imagination, and the seldom seen uh, special, Flintstones on the Rocks. Yeah, you know, we might be doing Flintstones in the future, listeners. Uh, But I, I, so it's another reason I I like, uh, that's my Dark Horse pick in this one, not to tell you how to vote, listener, but Flintstones on the Rocks is so interesting because... It, it aired once and never was seen again i think because it was seen as too hot for tv uh, or at least a little too much edge on the on the vitamin salesman <laughs> the sims uh, the flintstones this is okay a preview of when we do a flintstones podcast we both but i think me more than you constantly say simpsons when we mean yeah, to say yeah, flintstones yeah. and we can't not say it but anyway uh any of those four is a great pick make your voice heard in the poll which will be so, definitely live by the time you're hearing yabba dabba due to the polls as they say <laughs> <laughs> and I guess we could talk about uh, what we've been playing and watching in our free time. We normally just do that just to talk about other kinds of media that are not uh, specifically cartoons that we're covering for the show. And uh, in gaming, uh, I've been playing a ton of stuff. I finished up a ton of things to clear my plate for the new consoles and the new games. Finished Luigi's Mansion, which I think I complained about before. It's a good <laughs> game, but it, it should be like half as long as it is. Yeah, I yeah, get it. My, I... <laughs> my thing with Luigi's Mansion is, okay, I get it. Let's move on. Let's go. They got they got an hour count they got to hit, though, for it's true. A Sixty dollar game. Yeah. Oh, I hate that, but it was it was fairly fun, and I yeah. did enjoy the experience. I also played uh, this indie game called Carrion, which I, is I a uh, a Metroidvania style platform game, uh, exploration game. But except you play the monster of like a monster movie, so you're just a big oh. blob of flesh. Okay, basically. I have seen this. Yeah, yeah, that does look pretty cool. It's, I should. Yeah, when it's on a Switch, maybe I'll give it a play. It is on Switch. <gasps> oh shit! Yes. I've been called out on <laughs> this. All right, well then I will get this. But it's game. like it's like six hours long, and it's just like I, I'm always doing something always i'm always accomplishing something it's it's much more satisfying than a more bloated game oh that's cool all right I'll check that one out. And I, I, so like a lot of this quarantine has been like finishing the games I was playing for travel. And one of those was, uh, I was replaying the second Ace Attorney game. So I finished that one and I replayed Ghost Trick for an upcoming Retronauts. So I look for that in like February, I think. Seems like, I think there's a couple good guests on that one. Oh yeah. And I'm not saying I'm on it and and, and patting myself on the back. They are related to, uh, you know, our show. One of them one day will be related to me. So (laughs) who knows who that is? Uh, also, fin- finally finished Shadowbringers Final Fantasy fourteen, and currently playing uh, Yaxa Like a Dragon and the Demon Souls remake. Both yes. uh, very, very good for different reasons. Well, yeah, now you're you're a next gen gamer just like me now, Bob. You're playing uh, Demon Souls on the PS five. What do you feel about the PS five in general? I you know I don't like the UI so much. I like the Xbox Series X uh, UI a little more. I have not seen the Series X UI. I'm I'm fine with the PS five UI, but I think PS five is finally giving uh, console gamers a taste of what PC gaming is like where it's like <laughs> I can play all my old games except they load faster and they work better which is exactly what I've been doing it's just like wow I can play Monster Hunter World things load immediately and it doesn't sound like there's a plane taking off in my yes. living room yeah. like that is the, the main advantage of the PS5 is immediately having access to your entire library and it works so much better it makes me think the PS4 was a piece of shit yeah it uh, it seems much worse to me now I well, I will, the, the Series X UI is just the uh, Xbox One UI 
okay they, they just brought it over i think i also another thing i if i can uh say one thing i don't like about the ps5 controller i don't like that button that it's like the the logo it's like it's it's all pointy and stuff i i like a nice button an actual it's, button it's, button. it's a little too clever i don't really like yeah, that either too but smart i like the controller in general but yeah um i've only played demon souls and it's, it's a fantastic looking game but like there's really honestly no reason to buy either console yeah, uh, at this point but uh i just had access to one mm-hmm. and uh with you know not traveling or doing anything i had money to pay for a ps5 so yeah i i i was able to get two when i bought one in the uh i was me my husband we were both really on the ball with the pre-orders so i was able to pass it along to you and, and i did pay henry american dollars for it <laughs> uh uh but like the the amount stuff's going for on ebay like don't don't yeah or i saw people fucking lining up a game spot stop for like the two they're gonna have on black friday in a pandemic like no don't do this don't risk your life please i know you want a ps5 but it's not that special like there are like five other souls games you could play or replay and you know demon souls is fine but it's also an old game and you can play miles morales on your ps4 like oh i forgot about that yeah Yeah. it's not even an exclusive damn And you can play Yakuza like a dragon on your PC if you want, which isn't yes. what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of watching stuff, I haven't watched a whole lot. Uh, we finished Avatar. We were like one episode before the end when we got to the um, last talk to the audience, and that's great. Uh, we started watching this anime called Doro Hedoro, which uh, it's impossible to describe what it is, but it reminds me of what anime used to be like when I was growing up. Like, you've got to see this totally fucked up thing. Oh, okay. So it's, it's like all the violence of the weird anime you watched as a kid, but none of the sexual violence, which is nice. Oh, that's good. That's- so that's good just regular yeah. ultra violence and i'm watching uh, amphibia also with nina man you've you've probably eclipsed me on that we uh well i i wonder why i watched a bunch of amphibia <laughs> listener but who could say yeah but i i stopped at episode 10 i need to pick it back up we also watch a ton of movies this month uh the canadian horror movie ginger snaps it's a <laughs> it's a low budget movie about werewolves and also about becoming a woman uh i've, I've heard horror fans i know are uh, like they're like oh a deep cut is ginger snaps i didn't realize it was so canadian it's well. it's very Canadian. Uh, also, Nina loves the movie Chicago, so I saw that for the first time. Oh, the musical! Yes, wow, yeah. Man, I, I'm shocked you've never seen it before. I I only knew it via so. Uh, this is so stupid, but. <laughs> On Howard Stern's e-show, the commercials would have Girls Gone Wild, but also commercials for Broadway shows. Oh, right. So yeah. there'd be a weird mix of like, do you want this like softcore sex tape? But also, do you live in the New York area and have money for Broadway? <laughs> so I would see like ads for Chicago in the late 90s playing on Broadway. Uh, I would guess the, the Catherine Zeta-Jones characters is is appealing to you if I had to pick the girl probably, you'd be probably. into. Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, And then I saw for the first time The Fifth Element. Wow, uh, you never saw that. I no. never saw it. I mean, I think I didn't really like it. I like the art direction, but I think I know too much about the director. Oh, and sure. I'm not yes. as into the sexy baby character anymore as oh, I would have been as a teen. Yeah. Well, hey, Mila Jovovich, though, what a what a debut for yes. her. Yeah. Now, Luke Besson's gross. He, yeah. He it's like I, I can just see all of his fetishes splayed across the screen, and I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, on Thanksgiving, I actually watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles again. Oh, that's sweet. I haven't watched that in a long time. I, I probably the last time I watched was like a Thanksgiving four years ago but, it's it's yeah. great and uh what I really like about it is you know uh that clip you usually see with John Candy's speech you know like I like me my mm. customers like me you think that's going to be like the climax of the movie that's at the end of the first act oh right yeah they yeah. have like a coming to terms like twice in the movie which is pretty neat John Candy he's so good in that like he's always funny like uh, what a legend like but he he can make you feel bad for him like he's yeah. such a good uh, like pity pitiful guy in there too 
God, yeah, like it's it's great. But whenever I watch a John Candy movie, which is not enough, honestly, I'm like, man, we lost him so early. He was only 43 when he died. Terrible. And then there's like a scene in the movie where he's like talking about like, oh, you know, when I die, blah blah blah. And you're like, oh, you poor soul. You yeah. have like five years left. That's sad. I also as a kid, uh, the the scene where they're like stuck between the two cars and like they briefly turn into skeletons like that terrified that's one of those like scared kid <laughs> moments that is stuck with me. but then john candy turns into a cartoon devil that i thought was funny yeah i mean when I, when I was a kid in the 80s the biggest comedy superstars to me were rick moranis steve martin and john candy yeah. they were like the biggest movie stars in the world to me because so. they start in the like yeah when uh, i probably the first time as a kid i was like whoa a guest star was like wow john candy's in home alone wow man i love this guy so i also wanted to recommend this youtube video that i watched uh so i, I wanted to watch trains playing and automobiles again because I just saw a YouTube video pop up in my feed that uh, talks about the lost version of the movie oh. in that uh, the original filmed version of the movie was three hours. They cut that down to two hours and that was still too long so they cut it down to 90 minutes. So uh, this video is called The Lost Version of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and it talks about the remnants of that lost movie that are still present in the final finished movie. Oh, so man. little tiny things that might not make the mo the most sense in the, in the final movie, they're actually like like loose threads from other things that had existed before that wow all right i gotta check i'm gonna check that out that that sounds really cool i didn't know i didn't know so much was cut for that movie and my final thing i gotta say is uh you know it's it's been it's been a weird nine months and i'm, I'm seriously getting into cunanan so uh finally <laughs> i know the truth about the world henry no i'm kidding i i've been listening to the podcast QAnon anonymous and that is a podcast that is uh not you know for sincere q believers but it's studying the people who believe in q like ah. the celebrities of that world and the movement and just how dangerous it is mm. and a lot of it is just like we're gonna laugh at kooks but a lot of it is like seriously good investigative reporting oh man it's right. really 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 good and those guys do an amazing job like they go to rallies undercover and record people and report on the rallies and what's wow. happening there it's really good and then they review like q related movies and stuff uh, again i don't actually believe in the q on stuff i think it's fun to study like scientology so, yeah. yeah well and also like they you know they're the new tea party they are the future of the republican party they're getting they're getting main more mainstream every day so it's yeah. good to know about them i suppose the amount of republicans who will not disavow the uh the fictional child eating uh, cult i know it's is, uh, is uh very troubling i every i think i can't remember who but there have been a couple wrestlers who pro wrestlers who have tweeted out like save the children t-shirts and how yeah. i know they're like oh you're a cute you got cued you you've been you're in the cube uh non group i mean i think it's important for people to know like these seemingly innocuous things like save the children like who wouldn't want to save the children they, yeah. they are actually tied to like a right-wing genocidal death cult yes yeah it's actually insane uh but, but uh yeah maybe maybe too depressing for some people but i find it very entertaining and informative oh, check that out uh well you know for my month it's been in i it was a real gamer month for me because yeah i uh me and my husband bought both systems the series x and the ps5 to play nothing new but um on the ps5 i played through miles morales pretty quickly it's if you it's like a six or seven hour game that's the perfect length for a video game except for if you're yakuza <laughs> uh yeah yes exactly i uh, but uh but miles morales was really fun for how long it lasted and it is it's like a big spider-man movie and it's just uh if you think of it in the terms of a feature film 
film and it's a six hour long feature film that's really interesting and like uh they for as much as a corporate made game can talk about the gentrification of harlem and having an african-american slash puerto rican main character i think it did a good job like being culturally aware there but the, the thing with the cop like they just can't touch the cops the cops are the third rail people joked about in the spider-man 2018 game spider-man literally calls himself spider cop as a joke no. in the game but it's because he assists the nypd the entire video game obviously you can't do that with the african-american spider-man but instead their fix is like we don't talk about him the cops are not talked about he doesn't fight cops he doesn't help cops he can stand by a black lives matter poster but we're not going to say it in the in the game but what do you expect from like a billion dollar company you know yeah somebody said that uh this is not my joke but like uh they're re- they're rebooting brooklyn 99 or they're doing something to address like well, we can't have a show about cops anymore but <laughs> something on twitter or on a podcast said they should just bring the show back except they're all postal service workers and no one says anything about it just yeah! like the characters are the same they're just not their old jobs anymore it's a workplace comedy except they're not cops anymore that's uh also though on the ps5 i really did like the pack-in game astro's playroom like, yeah it's actually really fun. i haven't finished that yet but it's way bigger than i thought it'd be i thought i'd just be like oh you're you're a dumb robot you're gonna teach me how to use the, the controller which it does yeah, yeah but it's actually like a, a pretty meaty platformer that's it, uh, mario like and it is also as self-filating as any nintendo uh celebratory game is like i'm not used to i'm used to nintendo games being like celebrating themselves so much uh, but playstation games i'm not used to that as much so going through a ton of playstation references in a platformer is pretty fun and i have played so much yakuza like a dragon i am 64 hours into it now i've only played like 20 hours but that means i've only just uh gotten to the job system yes now uh, what chapter are you in now Ooh, i i don't i can't think of it offhand but i i am barely about to get to the job system so it is i mean and that is dragon quest pacing as well the 20 hour mark to be given the job system yeah i i'm just having so much fun with it and i i will say i am savoring it like there have been me too yeah there have been times where it's like yeah here's the pink circle go over here and that uh that'll advance the story i'm like but i really like this new mini game i just unlocked i'm gonna play that for eight hours and i I do i did the same thing it's just like no i want to find all the sub the side quests and then i want to see if there's like if i can you know level up characters in certain ways or get the best equipment or Mm -hmm. like i have not explored this part of the map what's going on over here like yeah all the sub stories i love that like yeah it's it's as great as yakuza games are except now it's a dragon quest rpg and i love dragon quest so yeah i i haven't touched demon souls yet because i've just i've, I've been telling myself only once i finish like a i dragon. understand yeah. i only played a little bit of it and i might save it for when i get back from my trip because it's uh it's a bit a it's like quite a journey and i don't want to interrupt it uh and also to bring up nina matsumoto again on this podcast at her suggestion again? <laughs> uh at her suggestion uh i have been varying up my ring fit play with starting up just dance i am now playing just dance and uh, it makes me feel 800 because i don't know any songs except for the uh smattering of retro songs that are in there uh but you know nina has been telling me like no that way you'll feel in touch with the kids you'll know what they're listening to when you dance to their songs so. i know the uma thurman song <laughs> okay uh, grandpa uh, but uh, yeah it's uh, it's it is a real workout though doing 15 minutes of that i definitely feel like i did something on on just dance so i've been doing that uh and my husband did a very nice thing of getting me the 
Just Dance Unlimited for a year, which is Ooh. unlocks about a hundred more songs in it. So there's a subscription plan for that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always something because there's like 40 songs on the game box, and then it's like they have over a hundred extra songs you can dance to that pick and choose from yeah just dance is 11 years old now it is an old series now i think you still buy that new game on the wii uh yeah i think it i think it still is a wii game for well i mean for grannies they they didn't throw away their wii's and um and also i've been playing through well i finished hades but my husband just started up hades and so i've been playing uh helping him with it with my tips and i'm also jealous that he's getting to hades faster than i did but mm. if he can beat hades before for the 50th playthrough then he's done better than me and it's uh it's not a competition but i have that for switch i played about 90 minutes but i'm gonna save it for my trip it is a perfect trip game the just another run just another run way of thinking time just flies uh as for movies i watched uh, i watched a lot of movies especially over this break i watched the the gay hulu christmas movie happiest season either you love it or you hate it i mean it okay so it lets us gays have a hallmark movie is basically what it is but you guys can have bad movies too here (laughs) but it has such a great cast that's what i hate is like yeah it's not just that kristen stewart is great uh, or her girlfriend in her aubrey plaza but also it's co-written by mary holland who is such a funny comedian and she's great and she's in the movie and is very funny too and what sucks about it is is like to complain about it i have to be specific with spoilers and i don't want to spoil it in case you want to watch it but ultimately it is a movie that is made for gay kids gay adult children to watch with their parents and to make to normalize it and to let their parents know see it's not so bad to come out of the closet i'm still your child all that stuff so it's nice and blah 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 but i really hate the ending i'll just say that do not like the ending uh i also i'd never seen 21 jump street i finally watched that pretty funny it's a pretty funny movie by the, the, the reboots yeah with uh channing tatum and okay. Jonah hill Heard and, it was very good yeah i mean uh it's it's lord and miller so it's it's very right funny. right yeah. yeah though it still does the hey let's just improvise our way out of the scene we have no ending it's like uh, nah, I maybe do a little less of that i'm but. glad that trend i think is over i think it's there's less of it happening we just don't now. have comedies anymore <laughs> that's that's how it solved that problem <laughs> happiest season i will say doesn't have much of that except for one scene with lauren lapkus in it which it was cool seeing her in it too <laughs> my husband had never seen the planet of the apes reboot movies so i've started watching them with him we got him in 4k so Ooh. watching him so the 4k discs were cheap i was like well now we have a 4k player so i have one for the first it. time too i've never used it yet we're taking it, advantage of it i gotta say it's not uh it, it doesn't feel like a gigantic upgrade but it does look pretty good that that fake monkey played by <laughs> Uh, by Andy Circus has never looked real here. I also watched It's a Wonderful Life. After seeing Happiest Season, they reference It's uh, a Wonderful Life in it. I'm like, oh, I got to see the real one. And so, and we got that in 4K too. On one 4K. of my favorite moments last year was seeing that in a the theater again. Oh, and uh, oh. the scene where he comes home sad, if I want to ever feel, uh, I, I need to feel, I'll turn that scene on. Just like him <laughs> just being torn apart. As it's his, great as his children put his one daughter puts tinsel all over him and he's yeah. just catatonic yeah I, it's amazing oh i love that scene man now i uh, now you're making me feel bad i can't see it in a theater this year uh, and and also as far as anime watching i watched the 
Galaxy Express 3.9. Uh, they, I just bought all of them on Blu-ray. Every, I've, I just watched a couple episodes. It's 113 episodes long. Yikes. I've, I've only seen the movie version, so I wanted to see the real show. And uh, and also, I started reading a manga called What Did You Eat Yesterday, uh, which is about a, a very down-to-earth gay uh, manga about this couple in their 40s, and one of them makes a nice meal. And so it's kind of like it's a cooking instructional thing on top of like a, a gay slice of life story. Story. the only thing is, is i say this is somebody who's never professionally done localization before but i know when a localization can be improved and i i feel that it's it could be a little better mm. i see sentences that i'm like i think i know what your starting point was and it could have been reworked better like yeah that, that gets distracting if i re- recognize a bad localization if you've read enough translations of japanese things you kind of can tell like well i've seen this translated in a different way that was better yes, like yeah. certain different sentiments or ideas yeah yeah but but it's still uh I've heard that it got a live action Netflix version, but only in Japan. I don't know if it's on our Netflix yet. I need to double check. It wasn't a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And lastly, quick wrestling aside, uh, I've been reading a book, a wrestling book, an autobiography of the pro wrestlers, the young bucks. And it's really interesting. They've, they've lived quite an interesting life. Uh, and this month on, well, when you hear this on the free feed, the match will have happened. But my favorite guy uh, who I've interviewed like three times, Kenny Omega, he's challenging for the AEW championship on the second. And I cannot wait to see hmm. it. Like this is his big moment. I've I've been waiting big time. And he just announced the AEW video game, which looks like they're finally going to make the No Mercy video game of my childhood, but starring the AEW guy. By the so. same people? They hired who they could. So okay. Ukes no longer works on the WWE. WWE games. They hired Ukes away from the WWE games. Ukes has a lot of people who worked on the old No Mercy games. And on top of that, they hired the director of the those No Mercy video games to work on this game. Too. Great. So that's awesome. They hired the right people. I'm crossing my fingers. You know, it's uh, it's hard to make a good wrestling game, but I, I'm rooting for them. And speaking of books, I just got uh, for Christmas a new Kindle from my oh, mom. How and nice. my last one I have is from 2010. So I've been playing with it. And I'm like, oh, I could do all these things with this <laughs> but it still has the screen quality of like paper the digital yeah thing. i got the ink one so that's, uh, that's, that's my favorite good. kind of kindle yeah. so maybe i'll talk about books i think i'm gonna start reading again it's come to this <laughs> read i'm gonna use my master's degree for good instead of evil <laughs> uh talking simpsons comments so yeah. first up is bart to the future and brian horton says hold the phone mabel seems to be an old-timey saying of some kind i don't think it's in direct reference to bell's wife mabel since she was deaf it's most likely a pop culture reference lost the time the jack benny program is my best guess where there was a switchboard operator named mabel flap saddle it looks like the actress that played her was on the show for 15 years there's bound to be a catchphrase associated with the character after that long so uh, all right i bet it is a jack benny thing and yeah the hold the phone mabel we were confused why mo said that in bart to the future about the uh, the tax increase boy how fun was it listening to that episode oh. of trump losing the election not uh, intentional though yeah. uh the uh, not the loss but our uh, our podcast posting yes yeah it was interesting timing for it but our good our good buddy uh mike Drucker, i'm sure he's had uh he's had to write a lot of interesting jokes the last month that we we couldn't have expected when we recorded it uh also on that episode harry thornton says funny that henry mentions his headcanon that bart and ralph must have been a couple at some point 
To me, a gay Bart Simpson makes way more sense than a straight one. They've tried pairing him off with a new girl character in later future episodes, and it feels so awkward and forced. Mm. Also, he adds that pre-9-11 with China, things were starting to get a little more tense with that country. The U.S. could have been in the current Cold War-esque political situation with them a lot sooner if not for 9-11. Mm. So, yeah, we talked about how on that one, before 9-11, people were like, oh, China is going to own America. Now we're feeling that again. Like, that's the new current uh, uh, jingoistic fear that we've got cooking up. Now but, we're getting owned by China. Yeah. I liked also seeing that our pal Drew Mackey agreed with me on the on the gay Bart theory. Like, it just, it makes sense. It, the thought of seeing Bart with a wife in the future just doesn't feel normal. I never I never thought about it, but it makes perfect sense now. Yeah. yeah. Let let him grow up to be gay, guys. Some Sometimes your sons are gay. Let, get used to it. By the way, I don't want to clarify, we're being owned by China in terms of our COVID stats. They're doing much better than yes, America. yeah. So up next, we have uh, Days of Wine and Doses. And Sabrina says, I grew up going to my dad's N.A. meetings. I think that's Narcanon I meetings think so, yeah. on Saturday night when he couldn't find a babysitter. Maybe not the most wholesome environment, but it probably made me the boring adult I am today. I heard some wild stories. The coffee slash sugar replacement addiction is real. He loved this joke about Barney being a coffee addict because he became one himself after years and years of speed addiction. And those group members were my number one customers every year when it was time to sell Girl Scout cookies. What a scam. That's great. Man, you got a captive audience there. You come in with Girl Scout cookies. That's that's the closest thing to a high you can get. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I saw another interesting person who said they'd always read it as Mo was dosing the coffee. Like oh, it was really? secretly spiked. But I, I don't agree with that. I just see it as like, no, Mo started selling his new addiction, which was caffeine. Yeah, that's yeah. I, that's a much darker reading. I'm glad they didn't actually <laughs> go that way. Uh, also on Days of Wine and Doses, Kat Hageberg says, being from Grand Rapids, Michigan, home of Amway, I can confirm that many, many things are named for it. Most other things were named for the DeVos or Van Andel, the other founder family. The Amway Grand Plaza Hotel, the Van Andel Arena, Davos Hall, Davos Place, the Helen Davos Children's Hospital, and so on. Like most sensible local folks, my family had an extreme dislike for all things Amway and the politics of its founders. My parents are public school teachers, so Betsy DeVos in particular was considered worse than Satan in our house for as long as I can remember. And we always felt a little conflicted about attending sporting events or concerts in those places. When I was 14, I had to spend a week in a children's hospital, and it was a major financial hardship for my family. I remember my mom getting a bill one day and being like, it's bad enough that insurance won't cover this, but does it have to say DeVos on the no. envelope on top of it? Barf. Man. Yeah, Betsy. Dad, I'm sorry. We've heard from Betsy DeVos in a while, right? Yeah, I think she's been mostly silent. I think there must have been something bad she did this year. But I mean, wanting to open shit. the schools, I guess, is pretty bad. Oh, yeah. She was trying to kill children. Sure. Yeah. We should just put it that way. <laughs> like, yeah. But we, we need to grease these uh, gears with child blood. Nationally, we weren't that aware of the DeVos family until uh, she joined the cabinet. I mean, truly awful family. And I mean, on top of that, well, it's her brother who was the like war criminal in charge right. of the, uh, the black ops group, uh, that PMC group. I forget the name of it. I think their strategy is to inundate us with so much horrible information about these people that we just forget yeah. it, like there's we can't process it all just like oh yeah that guy and that guy it's way too much to keep track of but 
Yeah, that I I mean, especially to have parents who are public school teachers like Betsy DeVos would have to be Satan for you at that point. She's because she's trying to make you unemployed. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of, uh, I don't know why I thought of this. I don't think this is related at all, but I just remembered something I wanted to say that on Talking Futurama, the problem with poplars, there's a joke on that is that when Lur, or sorry, not Lur, no, Lur, Lur ends the call with Zab Brannigan and starts scratching himself. Uh, and we were like, oh, yeah, you got to be more careful on these Zoom calls. <laughs> we recorded that before the Jeff free tubin incident which is now probably forgotten so that's right in case wow. you're wondering why we didn't reference like oh lur was tubin after He's that call tubing it up man yeah that was such a funny week of just learning that it was a nice distraction in all the tension leading up to the election to find out that this you know respectable dude who's appeared on cnn and has been in the new yorker for a million years he uh unwittingly like an old man like oh i must have turned off my camera let's pull well, it out let's whip it out let's get <laughs> let's get to flavor country and then he turns it and then he comes back and he's like hey what's going on guys and not knowing that all of his uh co-workers just watched him manipulating himself. why does everyone look horrified yeah. it was then funny to see him have to tweet a month later like uh, I've ended my time with the New Yorker and announces exit and just everybody in the replies was like, why? What happened? I what? think our friend of the show, Virgil Texas, was just like, what did you do? Yeah, why did, did you, you get do? fired? Yeah, and it was like so the number funny. one uh, tweet on that. Uh, uh, very funny. Uh, uh, he's quite a good poster, that Virgil Texas. He is. Uh, so Kill the Alligator and Run is next. A uh, classic episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joe Hodgson says, yeah, there's not much to defend here. At the time, I hated it. And on any rewatch I've done, I found I continue to hate it. I even hated it back when it aired for making me angry at Diedrich Bader who prior to this episode I had no reason to think ill of there are still some good isolated jokes but not good enough to rise above the bile I'm kind of indifferent to horny Homer I suppose it works when he's drunk or has lost his inhibitions but I am pro horny Marge so I did kind of enjoy your response to the gross show your boobs guy and Kid Rock yeah he sucks Alex wondered if they could have gone with a Florida act from the era, which immediately made me think of Creed. And honestly, I don't know if we dodged a bullet or not there. Now let's never speak of this episode again. <laughs> I think Creed would be a worse band, just as bad a band, but not worse people. Like, there's there's it, nothing as obviously funny about Creed. Yeah, yeah. Now Limp Bizkit would have been funny on the same level, I think. But uh, uh, also on that episode, our pal Thad Komarowski chimed in saying, more hash brown sugar is the only good line. No, this episode is gator shit. On the topic of Girls Gone Wild, I'm amazed you didn't bring up how those ads populated late night TV for many years, specifically Cartoon Network, and the announcer's warning functioned as a two <laughs> as a two fifty one a.m. wake up call for everyone at some point. I I had forgotten. Uh, and then there was like a back and forth. Like some people saying like, really, it was on Cartoon Network. Like I knew it on yeah. Comedy Central. I knew that's when Comedy Central time was over and, because the Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> Wild, uh, things began. Let those steel drums lull you to sleep, I guess. Yeah, it, it's a real up and down on that. I'm just like, rant, rant, not for kids, not for kids. Dun, 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 then you dun, hear the guy dun, say, dun, show dun, me dun. where the babies feed. Barf, yeah. That's, uh, I, I know that for Doug Stanhope, he has trouble living that down. Oh, God, he's, that was, he's embarrassed. Was that him? It was oh, him. Oh, Jesus yeah, It was. He's, hey, look, he, he's no fan of, uh, I don't know why I'm defending the libertarian <laughs> comedian Doug Stanhope. I do think he 
guest told funny jokes but uh he he is no friend of the criminal who made the girls gone wild series let's talk about uh last tap dance in springfield and uh batman boy 11 says uh canadian reporting in i can confirm that malls uh, still exist and are doing fine here at least until the pandemic in fact ottawa has multiple malls and i haven't heard of any closures during the past eight months so it does seem like they'll continue to exist post-covid it's been weird hearing about the death of malls in america for the past decade while teens have continued to hang out in them and they're still a go-to for many different things you might want or need and i'm glad you guys enjoyed this episode as much as i did because i definitely think it's one of the strongest of the season and a legit really good episode i agree the ending maybe leaves a little to be desired which could have been fixed just by giving lisa a moment to really tell off the instructor or something oh yeah yeah you know what just if lisa was just like hey here's your shoes or just shirt through them in her face or whatever like or i quit like something like instead of them uniting at the end like oh i understand lisa like yeah lisa should get a revenge on her it's it's lisa too- has to fail at things that's the point of every lisa story <laughs> uh that she she dares to care like she cared about something she must be punished uh also on that episode kyle orland says you mentioned that spaceship lollipop probably has some funny lines if you listen closely and now it's kyle's time to shine because i made sure to listen closely as a kid during subsequent viewings here's the lyrics i could make out i'm spaceship lollipop gingerbread men like to do hip-hop and chocolate chips make a rock and fuel for rocket ships we just love to dance on mars where everything's made from candy bars then it gets inaudible nothing really laugh out loud funny there but i like that they went to the trouble to make four lines of unbelievably cheesy grade school stage show lyrics with some clever rhymes that most viewers would never even notice i like that it's just very inane yeah i like rock and fuel for rocket ships <laughs> that, uh, the use of the word rockin feels very uh george meyer i think yeah so up next we have comments for uh what a cartoon and our first ones are for ed ed and eddie the classic late 90s early 2000s series and andrew giacchetti says this is probably my favorite cartoon network show of my childhood being that i'm a little younger than you guys as a kid i didn't know any of that stuff about antonucci being the way he was and it blew my mind in college when i saw a post from antonucci on reddit but not any cartoons or tv animation subreddits no the dude posted on r slash trees the weed reddit (laughs) to share his custom pipe which is just a ceramic plank that's awesome not gonna lie it was one of the dopest pipes i've seen and i wouldn't <laughs> mind owning it myself also from what i recall the ed, ed and eddie games are fairly decent adventure games by licensed game standards but my ps2 and copy of the game are tucked away somewhere at my parents house maybe i'll check the interwebs for some nostalgia and see for myself if this game is good or i'm just an ed ed and eddie apologist so uh yeah he's a maker of a uh, custom uh, weed pipes i think Antonucci. that's i think it's a uh, very after doing research on him and watching interviews, I'm like, him being on the weed Reddit makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. uh, the weed Reddit. Uh, how is it more or less legal in Vancouver? The, uh, the oh, weed? it's it's incredibly legal. Okay. Yeah. All right. They they must have been ahead of California on that. Before That's us. Right. Yeah. Also on that episode, Thad Komarowski said, I watched a lot as a kid. Remember exactly when it premiered. And no, not a fan of that Ed and Eddie. Huh. For me, despite the expressive character designs and the animation, and the lineage from Ren and Stimpy. Antonucci was a classmate of John Case, and the show's producer, Chris Danzo, also produced Ren and Stimpy and a lot of Bakshi shows. She admitted to me that she liked working with the bad boys of animation. 
It just felt like yet another slice of life white kid show that dominated so much TV in the 90s. One artist told me the adherence to keeping the cul-de-sac on model made it as rigid as any Nelvana show. You know, he is right. This does feel like that era sort of kids doing stuff uh, style show, but yeah, it was yeah. uh, a lo- like super like the Weekenders was like the low key version of this. <laughs> this is like the super cartoony vulgar version of the kids doing kids stuff cartoons. You're right. It is. It is functionally the same kind of show as Weekenders, just crazier drawings and and more much more screaming oh that continued the direction credit really should have been more generous though all of cow and chicken and i am weasel cartoons list dave feiss as the director but dave was also quite generous in giving his animation timers actual co-director credit he's of the old school where he considers timing real direction and he's not wrong also going to add that for a lot of classic cartoon fans ed ed and eddie was really the show that heralded the end of the classics having a healthy place on the cartoon network schedule the popeye show got bumped from a cushy prime time slot for another ed ed and eddie rerun the irony is Antonucci's favorite character is Fleischer Popeyes. Wow. So, isn't that ironic? So don't you think? That Thad's final comment made me think I just saw this tweet by this Nickelodeon account that's just like a Nickelodeon history account mm. and it was saying like this day in 2007 was the final day like all of these Nicktoons aired because it was the last time they tried doing a marathon oh. and nobody watched it and like the next day they did a Spongebob marathon and it got like 20 million viewers. So oh it's just like God. you know what we'll only show Spongebob from now on. So it's like wow. the last time like like uh, like Angry Beavers and like Cat Dog and all that crap ever aired on Nickelodeon wow. was in 2007. That's so sad to know that uh, like it wasn't it wasn't SpongeBob's intention to make all other obsolete n- Nicktoons, but damn. It's just like when you see like oh yeah, Goof Troop hasn't aired in 15 years or something, or Bonkers hasn't aired in 17 years, and it's like well they decided instead of showing Bonkers, they'll show eight episodes of Phineas and Ferb. Yes, and that's yeah. that people will watch that. Why have any other schedule when it can just be a rerun? Kids don't care if it's a marathon of reruns and. I I guess in that way, having the streaming world is better because those things, ratings don't matter as much. If it's just a library of junk that exists one way or another, then it'll just be on a, it'll be on a streaming service. Up next, we have uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog, and Manic Rainbow says, love the show and watch it from way too young of an age. And I know when I was seven, but I continue to watch it all of it in reruns. I, it honestly felt like a Ren and Stimpy for people in my age group, genuinely horrifying and cruel at times in ways that for sure gave me nightmares. All the kids I knew talk more about this show than they ever did about Spongebob. Huh. For a kid with extreme anxiety, Courage meant so much to me, and I still feel warm when I think about him. It was super fun to hear you guys talk about this show being from an older generation than me. I totally get Henry's hatred of Eustace as a horribly abusive character, but I would argue he is about on the same level as Ren. Hope you guys come back to the series eventually. There is so much to mine from this gem of a show. Oh, sure, sure. I Now, look, I do. He is an abusive guy on the level of Ren, but I guess. And look, sometimes I don't like watching the Ren abuse, but that's for other baggage that comes with it. But I guess the thing is, Ren and Stimpy are on the same level as like age and stuff. They're not in a role of like, you know, the dad. Eustace being the father figure and being that abusive does feel different than like, a, a compatriot viewing that. Also like a pet owner too. It's like yeah, he's not oh even yeah. a child. He's like the pet. That's yeah. He's uh, that it that's why I want Eustace to die every episode. Huh. <laughs> uh but also on the Courage Cowardly Dog Silky PJ says I do have to be a nerd on the comment 
Henry made regarding the last episode where he claimed the final episode is the first time we've ever seen Courage use his scream offensively. In Ball of Revenge, Eustace brings back a bunch of Courage's rogues gallery to beat him up in a game of dodgeball. To overcome them, Muriel suggests that Courage do something he can do better than all of them. He thinks for a second, then goes on to scream for about a solid minute, causing a chasm to open up in the basement and suck all the enemies inside. Other than that note, I really love all you guys covered in this episode. Pound for Pound Courage might be the best series Cartoon Network did in terms of flawless, emotional, and creative episodes. I didn't see this finale until way later, but I'm glad it gave a sense of closure to how everything came to be. Hmm. The one of the things I've always noted about Courage is that it really loves to reuse certain catchphrases and sound effects to almost fill out all of the silence. And that crossover episode actually makes me hate Eustace even more. Like to <laughs> that, But it totally fits for the anxious child stories they're telling through courage to make a story about your abusive father figure making you play dodgeball with all your bullies like geez. i feel like uh, all the boomers who grew up were just like tra- traumatized by dodgeball i know we, it was never a thing in my childhood i mean i definitely played a few games of dodgeball in pe but i didn't it wasn't I was certainly bullied in ways, but not. They didn't need dodgeball as a way to do it. We had beanbag toe tag, and we grew up just fine. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, so let's move on to Wind in the Willows, where uh, Mara the Demon says the appearance of the God Pan was a sort of mean at the time of the Wind in the Willows writing, and his inclusion in the book puts it into a group with other works of the post-romantic pre-weird fiction bubble. Basically, Pan was considered a symbol of naturalism and reverence for nature, and the sort of spooky, unexplained dark side of the natural world, and started getting used by a bunch of overeducated writers who missed the nature of their youth and this is where the name uh, peter pan comes from eventually the more positive aspects got dropped in the weird fiction uh with its love of unexplained monstrosities and hatred of radical new ideas like multiculturalism started gaining steam <laughs> uh the turn of the previous century is a great time for genre fiction and if the more mythical parts of the wind in the willows piques your interest i suggest going to project gutenberg there's a lot of fun cozy fiction from that era that's completely free because anyone who could possibly fight for the rights is dead and wind in the willows is there too so you can read that for free i did it's where i read wind in the willows on the gutenberg yeah the uh yeah it's it's interesting to know that that's what the meme was at the time just pan reflected but i think it too it comes out of like this set there's so much sexuality to pan as well which i guess that is a side of naturalism too you know these button down victorian guys they they see all these animals that just can you know fuck whatever they feel like they're not wearing yeah. eight layers of wool <laughs> yes yeah and sweating and in, in the, yeah eight layers of wool in the hottest of england's uh, summers also on wind in the will as patrick stratford says I will offer a couple of corrections. Thames Television wasn't a subsidiary of ITV, or at least in the mo- way most people think. It's a long and complicated story, which is covered very well in the YouTube series ITV in the Face from Apple Mask. ITV, independent television, was created as the first commercial broadcaster in Europe, and each region in the UK has an independent company broadcasting some shows of their own making, but mainly network shows from other regions. Thames served as the regional broadcaster for London from 1968 to 1992 until they launched lost the franchise to another company and basically merged with one of the bigger broadcasting companies to become itv as we know it now which is still the main broadcaster in the uk but lacks the thought and originality of the old days also peter salas is actually using his own received pronunciation accent for ratty whereas he uses a northern accent for wallace and grummet and clegg in the last of the summer wine though ian carmichael was great in the original film i tend to like salas's voice as ratty first 
He gives a great performance in the other episodes adapted from the book, Wayfarers All, which also has an otherworldliness to it and might be my favorite in the entire series. Keep up the good work and hope to hear some UK choices again soon. Wow, this is really Peter Salas month on What a Cartoon. It is, yeah. It's, it's funny how they go back together. If I could if I could reprogram the month, I would have done Bubblegum Crisis before Wind in the Willows, <laughs> so we could just go straight from one Salas project to the other. But I guess it's, uh, yeah, Salas is using his real voice in it instead of the northern english hick that he does for uh wallace so up next we have uh, bubblegum crisis and uh, kaiser beam says a good overview of the messiest episode of an already messy franchise also your talk about the early days of anime distribution made me want to show off this promo that a japanese distribution company put out for american media companies in another world bubblegum crisis might have been known as futurescape and here's the vintage trailer yeah i'm gonna play just the first couple seconds of it here it's the landscape of the future. The entire world locked in a dark city. A city with all the problems of today <laughs> and more. It's Futurescape. We're not calling it Bubblegum Crisis. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I have to say I'm embarrassed for all my Bubblegum Crisis research. I never knew about this. Like Gaga was a Japanese company that was about selling it overseas. So that was the 1988 pitch to sell Bubblegum Crisis as Futurescape overseas so uh that obviously that didn't go through and it it would take a couple more years for animago to get the license for it but and they would later create lady gaga <laughs> oh and a big thank you to kaiser beam for uh for pointing that out and also you know i we've i think we've said it before but kaiser beam does their own great uh youtube series folks should be watching the uh kyoto video series check it out very cool on youtube and finally, our last comment of uh, the month on Bubblegum Crisis comes from Christopher Moops McDougal saying, There's a lot of subtlety in the show that is really not made clear, among them being that Cilia, not Sylvia, might be a boomer. I'm not sure if this stuff was meant to be explored later and they ran out of money or it's just poor delivery. As for the lack of OVA quality fan service and violence, it seems like they saved a lot of that for the spinoff 80 Police Files. That show went a lot more extreme and dark. The first episode has a suicidal Robocop whose creator sexually assaults him while he's charging. Ooh, jeez. And like Henry, I also watched Streets of Fire for the first time recently, and Bubblegum Crisis totally rips off the opening. Both of those songs are so good, though. The first 15 minutes of Streets of Fire is amazing. Unfortunately, the rest of it just doesn't live up to it. Warriors is a much better Walter Hill movie. Hmm. And yeah, I'm glad I'm not alone in feeling the disappointment in what could have been in Streets of Fire, even though the start of it's great. But the highlight reel is actually Final Fight. So yes, yeah, it took I, all the best stuff from that movie uh, and Streets of Rage. It's you learn so much about you just every anime and video game for, uh, from about a five-year period if you watch Streets of Fire. But uh, I had forgotten that Cilia, the leader of the Night Sabers, is maybe a boomer in in the same way that hey is uh decker a boom uh, a replicant and I, I don't mean tim heidecker <laughs> I, I was thinking i'm like wow that's that, that i didn't see that coming i mean blade runner i'm talking right. about blade runner but uh but yes thank you moops for that uh, that comment i did i did miss that in Cilia's character 
But wow, that was a, a jam-packed episode to talk to the audience. Oh, so much yeah. news, uh, all, all good news, actually. So it's been um, a year full of bad news, <laughs> and I'm sick of it. It's been nice to finally share some good news on this podcast, Justin. I hope I hope you guys uh, were able to, you know, make it through a very tense election month, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're going to check back in with you after the holidays, so we hope you have a good one if you celebrate, and hope you can find some time to take some time off and chill out. we got a lot of great podcasts coming at you, a lot of really long podcasts are going to be coming out this month. Oh, yeah. And, of course, talk. Futurama is going to be wrapping up so just like th- at least three new podcasts a week uh, until the end of the year to keep you happy maybe some more surprises on top of that mm-hmm. look, look out for them um... yeah have a nice holiday and we'll see you at the end of December for another episode of Talk to the Audience and we'll see you then infotainment.